Welcome to the Marvelous Madams Podcast. We're your hosts, Madam Chris. And Madam Amy. We are burdened with the glorious purpose of talking all things MCU. Madams Assemble. So let's start off this episode with a little apology to our listeners. <laughs> so we're doing the Incredible Hulk. Uh, or as I like to call it, the Incredible Bull. I would have gone with the Wandering Scientist, but that'll work too. So Amy and I had talked a while back about whether or not we were even going to cover this movie. And after some back and forth, we realized, yeah, we got to do it. Unfortunately. Uh, People debate whether or not this movie is canon or not, but the fact is, it comes after Iron Man. Yeah, the only reason I think it would be somewhat considered canon is because it comes along with the Blu-rays in the Phase 1 disc set. Otherwise, I wouldn't have even bothered with it. Yeah, I think if this had come out before Iron Man, it would be a different story. But because it's already sandwiched in there, it matters. And, you know, it matters going forward because as shitty as this movie is, Marvel learned, I think, uh, I think Marvel learned a lot of important lessons from it. So it's not a it's not a total waste of time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I actually never heard of the movie till much later. I remember when I saw The Avengers first. Uh, I saw Bruce Banner there and I thought, oh, they should probably have done an original story for him before they brought him into the Avengers. <laughs> Little did I know. Well, we'll talk about how much of an origin story this actually is, because that's one of the major problems with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for those of you, for those of you who have taken the time to see it, I'm sorry, you'll never get that two hours of your life back. I'm very sorry to... Because we took the time to watch it, and we're taking the time to talk about it. But we're departing a little bit from the format we've created, and this is going to be much more of a rant than an analysis. And <laughs> you know why, Amy? You know why? Because there's nothing to fucking analyze, because this is barely a movie. If we try to analyze this, which I tried, and you squashed that one analysis in five seconds... <laughs> That's right, I did. Don't you dare try to give purpose and a point to this this just disaster <laughs> of a film. I was trying to find meaning in it. At least give me that. The meaning is we got Mark Ruffalo. That's good meaning. Yes. All right, so to start out, let's talk generally first about the major problems of this movie. And I As think opposed not- to the minor problems? <laughs> there's, there's just so many. <laughs> Now, every comic book movie needs something important, and that's a hero. And this movie doesn't really have one. If you're talking about real-life characters, sure, it doesn't have one. But I think the CGI Hulk is the closest we have to a hero in this. You know what? For me, the real hero of this movie is the editor I don't know his name, but thank you for cutting the extra 30 minutes of deleted scenes that were also a part of this movie. And fuck you for putting it on the disc. (laughs) Amy's bitter because she watched them and I didn't. (laughs) You know, 
I'm starting off early with the rants, but I saw the extras. Don't ask me why, but I saw the extras. And the making of documentary of the movie was more interesting than the movie. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit of a problem. How bad has the does the movie have to be for the documentary about making the movie to be more interesting than the movie itself? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so this, Daily, this I feel failed. a lot about this. You do. Yeah. And, you know, it was funny. You didn't think you had too much to say. And uh, you had messaged me the other day saying, oh, you know what? <laughs> Looks like I had a lot more to say than I thought I did. Yeah. You know, the first time I saw the movie, I was just waiting to get through with it. The second time I saw it thinking, maybe it's not that bad, but it was that bad. The third time that I've seen it now... Now that I saw it with the intention of finding every fucking fault in it, it's not that bad because you get a lot of faults out of it. Yes. <laughs> yes. So we can blame a couple of people for the failure of this movie. First and foremost, captain of the ship here, the director, a guy named Louis Leterrier. Dude. French dude. What are you doing? <laughs> We're just, what are you doing, man? That, what what could possibly have made you see this movie after after you cut it together and say, yep, this is the quality? He probably said, yeah, you know, this is the best I can do, which is why he made Edward Norton look down in the poster. But he should be ashamed of himself. <laughs> and I think he should be. <laughs> Everyone involved in this movie should be ashamed of themselves. Except for the CGI people, they did their best. Yes. Yeah, with the t- with the hot turd they had to work with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can't blame them for that. Yeah, but the biggest problem here overall, and this is, we had mentioned this briefly in Iron Man, this was Marvel's uh, second major casting mistake in Edward Norton. But in the grand scheme of things, I think Edward Norton is far bigger a mistake than than Terrence Howard. Well, they rectified it quickly. True. Yes. At least. And nobody nobody even barely remembers it. You know, this movie for the MCU, I think we've all been in relationships where we've once we've gotten out of it, we come out and then we look back and say, oh my God, what the fuck was I thinking? Such a great analogy. For the MCU, this is the movie. This is that relationship. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. we really love this movie. Okay, so this movie opens up in one of the worst ways you can open a movie. And that is with a long, silent montage. <laughs> Why? 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 Well, uh, other movies have done it and done a good job of it. This is not the only one. <laughs> this is the only one that made the montage the whole movie. These guys, they <laughs> just, it's like this first five minutes, they just totally yada, yada, yada right over what should have been the movie. That was actually the director's idea. Thanks to this, I know, thanks to the extras that I saw. Uh, he wanted to 
explore the character more than just give him a basic origin story. But what he ended up doing was basically like telling a, a Forrest Gump story of him just walking from <laughs> continent to continent. Forrest Gump was running. That's more exciting. A little bit. Yeah. Well, relatively. But that's a good movie. Let's not shit on Forrest Gump, okay? <laughs> yeah, the opening sequence, they they actually, even though you say that they've done the entire movie in it, it's done pretty well. They have good music, uh, quickly cut in, put the entire story in, you get the gist of it without being overwhelmed. And the music is... You know, very spy, thrillery sort of. When you start seeing it for the first time, you think, oh, okay, this is going to be some kind of thrilling whodunit or something like that. And that's the end of that. Yeah, the, the actual movie starts and they say, just kidding. Yeah, that's the best part. You can go away now. Pretty much. Enjoy your nap. Now, the, <laughs> the, the last big problem I have, it's a, it's a major problem. Uh, especially for me, as I have an affinity affinity for this group, is that you get yourself a great British villain, you gotta let him be a great British villain. And Tim Roth is just, again, just nothing to do. (laughs) I like Tim Roth. I've seen him in several TV shows, and he does a good job. He has that charisma. Yeah, he just falls flat. Terrible. Yeah, ter- just poor script, poor directing, and he's just sitting there. Might as well just be twiddling his thumbs the whole time. Yeah, and the the his lines, all his lines are just cheesy one-liners. Like, you're gonna have a lot of professional tough guys pissing in their pants. When I think of a professional ultra soldier who's gonna just kick ass everywhere he goes, Tim Roth isn't really what I think of. No, not I, I mean, at all. as a as a villain, he's great if they would allow him to be the great, like psychological British villain. But that's not what this character is. So why why choose this kind of actor? Just terrible casting. But even as a villain, he comes in and they make a big deal about him being born in Russia and trained in this in the UK and yada yada yada. What is so great about him? Why do they even need him? Why do we have to go with Russia? Isn't the Cold War over, people? It's been done. Come on. And that's Black Widow's thing. I mean, I could see Anthony Hopkins sitting at home with his feet up, drinking his Earl Grey and watching this and just shaking his head. Uh, What are you doing, guys? Why Anthony uh, Hopkins? Because he's both Odin and Hannibal Lecter. Do we need to have a serious conversation about movies? <laughs> what does Hannibal Lecter have to do with this? Because he's a great Brit- great villain. Oh, okay, 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 okay. That way, okay, okay, all right. You've seen yeah. Silence of the Lambs, yes? Yes, I have, yes. Okay. Thank God for that, otherwise you okay. would have murdered me right now. <laughs> yes, the friendship <laughs> over, we're done. <laughs> Just like with the Firefly thing, hey, yeah. I'm still holding on to that. <laughs> okay. Um, that trumps all. 
Yeah, so I think if if you're just going to cast somebody to play a monster, y- you don't need this particular actor. You you don't need somebody who's like the, oh, the great British villain. Oh, I know what kind of character he's going to be. And it just it completely goes the opposite direction. I think this entire movie has gone in the opposite direction. Hopefully over a cliff. Yeah. Never to be seen again. <laughs> Along with Edward Norton's career, because what the hell has he done in the last 12 years? You know, you know what? He actually said he quit because he doesn't want to give the time for the MCU. Like he's too good for the MCU. Okay. Okay, Mr. Norton, whatever you say, sir. That's the that's the ultimate. You can't fire me. I quit. (laughs) Yeah, he probably realized what a giant fuck-up he was. Mm-hmm. Well, his loss, our gain. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, stay tuned for... Stay tuned on Twitter, everybody. Coming up, Mark Ruffalo Appreciation Week. <laughs> All right, so now that we've got the big, massive problems of this movie out of the way, let's dig in to our pet peeves. And it's just just an entire movie of pet peeves so we're gonna have some fun people i think this is but, gonna be longer than the movie itself it, it might buckle up <laughs> all right so we see banner going through this like kind of guru training and i'm not knocking that in any way i'm a person who does uh, a lot of meditation and a lot of uh, natural wellness and stuff like that so good on him for trying to get his shit together and, and get himself under control however I don't think he's really um, putting forth his whole effort here, Aim. What do you think? No. I mean, he has this trainer who's teaching him how to breathe and this and that. And then uh, he's telling him to control his anger. The trainer slaps him and he gets angry. Like, you've presumably been training with this guy for months. You know why he's slapping you and you yet get angry. Yeah, I mean, seriously, how many times did Natalie Portman have to slap Chris Hemsworth in the face in Thor 2? It was like 28 times. Did he turn into the Hulk? No, because he knew it was coming and he knew why. And he knew there was no malicious intent. So why is this jackass freaking out? Because he's Edward Norton. And he has to show his angst to the world. Yeah, all the angst. I had angst looking at him shirtless throughout the movie. Oh my God, why? Why? Tell me, Amy, who in 2008 or furthermore any year, who was clamoring to see Edward Norton and Tim Roth shirtless for half a movie? I'll tell you, Edward Norton. I I, I guess so. I, I, I just, I don't understand. I, I, I'm guessing it was hot wherever they were filming, <laughs> but uh, seems a little excessive. I don't yeah. need it. I don't seeing want it. Them, seeing them shirtless for so long, I started liking CGI Hulk. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely find CGI Hulk more attractive than, uh, than person Edward Norton. Yes. Yeah. I was relieved when Hulk came on screen because I knew that I wouldn't have to see Edward Norton and Tim Roth. <laughs> Half naked. 
and not even half naked. We're going to come to a scene later on that's full bathtub nudity. And I'm like, what the fuck am I watching right now? You know, that scene, I was actually wondering, this guy seems to, they, they seem to show he's got PTSD. Okay, fair enough. But how is he not hulking out when he has PTSD since it's his heart rate that's the issue, apparently? Oh, let's not let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's we're going to get to the heart rate issue. I just I, I can't even. Um, so let's hop back for a minute. We find Banner uh, after he uh, you know deals with daily slap training for the day. <laughs> <laughs> we, we find that he slap stick. <laughs> oh my god that that is also another thing this this movie is entirely devoid of humor there is not not even a chuckle to be had in this movie i had one chuckle and that was by far my favorite scene when we get but, to but, it but no, i will talk but, about it yeah but the question is were you laughing with it or laughing at it that matters uh yeah okay not not so funny anymore. <laughs> yeah. So he's working in this like uh, soda factory. He's he's working on bottles, but he's like a will hunting kind of guy where he's just a bottler or a janitor, but he's secretly brilliant. So the boss yeah. comes to him to fix some electrical problems and uh, that yeah, are going on yeah. at the factory. And no boss is going to tell you, let me put you on the official payroll and pay you like a decent human being. Right. Especially in in a South American country where corruption is just rife. Not that it isn't in the U.S., but uh, more so down there. Nobody's putting you on payroll, man. No, clearly they don't even have a hygiene instructor on on payroll. How does someone let an entire large streak of blood stay there and get bottled and sent to the States all the way to Stan Lee? Yeah, and all the blood stuff, it's... (sighs) It makes the cyber nonsense in every other movie that that you see look good. The 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 blood stuff in this it looks like something out of a Nickelodeon t- TV show. <laughs> Completely, I agree. After his slapstick, he comes into the factory, and there's this one female in the factory. The one woman who is working there, and she is making googly eyes at Edward fucking Norton. Does she not have anyone else in the city? She cannot find any <laughs> other guy. Just this one lanky, janitor, white dude. Really? And she's pretty. He's, he's brooding. I must get to know him. Oh my! There's something beneath that sweaty facade. <laughs> Yeah, he jumps into her window not ten minutes later, and she just lets him in. Ridiculousness. This this is clearly written by a man and a white man and a white man. Yeah, because it, it's it, the message is kind of saying, "Oh, he's white, so he's safe." Yeah, and he's white, so I'm automatically attracted to him. Ooh, look at him; he shines in the sun. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> So this blood, it's just, you know, I, I appreciate the Stan Lee cameo always, but yeah. uh, the whole thing is just ridiculous. But how um, does he get one spot of blood at one point and there's a large streak like three feet away from him? And 
how does the blood travel so fast? Great. I know it's gamma radiation blood, but still it's physics. And secondly, yeah. nobody sees it. Yeah, they're asking a lot of us and uh, they're, they're, they're just writing a check here that, that they can't cover. And how how which which factory is going to shut down an entire belt of production for one drop of blood in South America? Well, apparently this this factory is being run by St. Peter himself. <laughs> this guy is just so magnanimous <laughs> and wonderful. Uh, he even keeps shuts the factory at night. No 24-hour production. All right, so the shit hits the fan in the U.S., and uh, we meet Thunderbolt Ross, which uh, is just the <laughs> dumbest nickname I've ever heard. And again, we have here William Hurt, who is just the ultimate, I have a stick up my ass military officer. He's just a, a wooden cliche with nothing to do. Except look menacing and call orders. Which he doesn't even have to do. He doesn't have even have to try to look menacing. It's just his face. That mustache has a life of its own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does. It does. I mean, I'm sure that's why they cast him, aside from the fact that he's friggin' enormous. <laughs> yeah, he could take the Hulk on. That would be more believable than Tim Roth. Probably. Just like uh, the instead of uh gamma radiation, it would just be that um nationalistic rage <laughs> yeah and his his uniform would suddenly t- change into red white and blue from yes. camouflage yes <laughs> it would be like um oh, general america rather than <laughs> captain america <laughs> yes <laughs> only this one this one to finance his suit he, he does uh diabetes commercials in the spare time <laughs> So he gets no, winded. No, no mustache wax. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta capitalize on that. Oh man! So he gets he gets wind of this whole uh, Stanley death and whatnot, and just immediately knows. No, no, no! Oh. Stanley doesn't die. Don't say Stanley dies. Well, he's not doing great. <laughs> yeah, he's not doing After great. That. So Ross gets wind of this and gets the ball rolling and just immediately knows, oh, that's got to be the work of Banner. Sure. Okay. Does it, but he doesn't, he doesn't bother to actually tell anybody else. Yeah. Here's the thing. He is taking this entire team of soldiers to go and get Bruce Banner, yet he doesn't tell them who Bruce, Bruce Banner is and what he can do. He just tells them he's a scientist that they need to bring back. Okay, if that's the case, then why are they taking a military unit to another country and probably causing an international incident? They could have yeah. just got him extradited. Yeah, and he literally tells them, just look for the white guy in the factory. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> Doesn't give them a, doesn't show them a picture as if we're living in like 1852 and there's no photography available. You know, uh, in 1852 or the Wild West, they would actually, they would probably have a portrait or a sketch or something. <laughs> Some kind of like wanted 25,000 pesos or <laughs> whatever yeah. the currency is. Yeah, something. 
<laughs> and it's like it's a it's a split it's a wanted poster but a split screen of him and Hulk. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, it's not like people wouldn't know about this. When, you know, when, when the Hulk first happened and was created and there was this massive incident and huge destruction, odds are people knew about it. So what are you keeping it hush-hush for? Exactly. And aren't you basically just letting these soldiers die, knowing full well that the Hulk will show up? Yeah, pretty much. They just send them in with tranquilizer guns? I mean, it shows not only that I, I get that they're trying to say, "Oh, look at Ross; he's this he's this cold-hearted bastard." He's also a moron. Completely, General Ross does not have general common sense. No, well, you know what? As somebody who is also lacking in that arena, uh, I can't quite fault him for that, but I can fault him for the people who made him a goddamn general. Yeah. So, so uh, Ross gets his, uh, so in Iron Man, we had our merry band of terrorists. In this movie, we have our merry band of soldiers who uh, are headed down now to South America mm-hmm. to, to apprehend their quarry. Yeah. And, uh, and nobody questions anything. Well, that is the way of soldiers, too. Foot soldiers, they're, they're taught not specifically not to question orders. Blonsky does. He asks him, is he a fighter? But Amy, he's special. He's Blonsky. But at least give the special Blonsky an answer. No, just trank him and bring him back. Well, that's part of it with Ross, too, is the arrogance of I don't have to tell anybody anything. Yeah, and then he goes and falls in love with him and gives him his special serum. (laughs) (laughs) So Blonsky and team come in all supposedly stealthy and then they go and decide to blow up. Hulk's door. How is that stealthy in any way? Irrespective of Hulk or not, the entire slum would wake up if you blow explosives up there. Yeah, these guys aren't exactly SEAL Team 6, you know what I'm saying? Oh, but Blonsky, he's the special Russian slash English dude. Yeah, I don't even know how that shit works. Yeah, I don't either. Why would a country loan a soldier... Like property? I have no idea. Yeah. He got tipped off before these guys even decided to come in. The dog realized something was up. To be perfectly to be perfectly honest, I was more worried about the dog than I am about Banner at this point. They tranked him. Yeah. The dog. And in my book, you're done. We're, we're over. You hurt the dog. We're done. Yeah, but why would you need to do it if the the guy is already gone? Yeah. Why would you want to trank? Do whatever you want to banner, decapitate him. I don't care. (laughs) Just leave the poor dog alone. (laughs) Yeah, poor dog. He did nothing wrong. Banner goes down the window like Rapunzel into this uh, girl's window like she's the only person who could have, have possibly been his neighbor. Runs away and he's running away wearing a red sweatshirt he is in the slums in brazil which is primarily a non-white country a white guy that is obviously going to stand out wearing a red sweatshirt that is obviously going to stand out more how is that stealthy he's supposed to be a genius yeah i feel like being british you know tim roth should have known better and said the director hey man this is how we lost the revolution (laughs) You know, red's just a bad idea. You really stand out, man. 
Yeah, but I mean, come on. If the guy's supposed to be running for his life or whatever, how many ever years? Just take your shirt off. You clearly don't have a problem with it. <laughs> you probably blend in more because everyone's sweating their ass off anyways. Yeah. And if they catch you without the shirt, you could just be like, oh, I've, I was just coming out of this fight club down the street. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't but, talk about it. Yeah, because that's the first rule. God. And then so, you know, we get the Hulk eventually. and But we, we got to be cute about it, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It has to be the big reveal with the anticipation. And this just pissed me off so much because really you're going to go for the Jaws type reveal? Fuck you, movie. How dare you? <laughs> no. If I'm Steven Spielberg, I'm suing. I'm suing on behalf of Jaws and I'm suing on behalf of Jurassic Park. <laughs> Yeah, but they were trying to be spooky about it, but it wasn't even spooky. No, because we know what the Hulk looks like. This is not a surprise. Yeah, I think uh, Iron Man, the first Iron Man suit was more spooky looking at the guy's reactions, the terrorist reactions, than this was. Yeah, and I mean, this is around the point where I'm sitting on my couch watching the screen and I look up at my ceiling fan and I just wonder to myself, could it hold my weight? Do I have enough rope? <laughs> it's only 43 minutes along. Yeah, I know the feeling. All right. So we deal we, we deal a little bit here with the uh, the lack of communication and Blonsky gets pissed. After, you know, all the men just get completely shredded by Hulk. And I mean, mm. the, the guy's got a point. They went in blind to this. Ross didn't yeah. tell them a thing. But still, he doesn't tell the general anything. He just says, I want in for the next mission with this guy. Yeah, we have zero backstory on Blonsky. We have no motives whatsoever. Just, just nothing. Yeah, I mean, what is it with him and Hulk? He just saw him for five seconds. He barely even saw him in the dark. And then he suddenly got a hard-on for him? <gasps> oh, maybe that's it. Oh, Amy, I think you just hit on it. He wants the big green D? I think maybe. And that's why he takes the serum, so it can be equal. <laughs> <laughs> this is basically Marvel's Shrek. It could, it could be. And Tim Roth, or rather Blonsky, is the princess? Uh, well, he finally does get his transformation at the end. That's true. Doesn't quite go the way he anticipates. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe that's just their foreplay. <laughs> Very well could be. Yeah. Okay, so Banner's on the run now. And, and this is the part where I just start... I, I have a, a red mark on my face from just slapping myself so many times. <laughs> so you had to keep yourself awake. That and just not completely stupefied. <laughs> so now we find Banner on the run. He now, mind you, he has no money. He has no passport, no driver's license, nothing. Mm -hmm. He is he is wanted. By the United States government. Mm. But somehow, in 31 days, count it, 31, <laughs> he walks 
from Guatemala to the Eastern United States. And he does it while also somewhere along the line getting shaves and haircuts, despite the fact that he should look like Ted Kaczynski when he gets to <laughs> the U.S. Well, he does rely on the goodness of the others. He begs for money so that he can buy pants and he takes lifts from <laughs> random strangers. No, 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 no. Once you cross the border into the United States, anyone who sees a hitchhiker has one of two thoughts. A, that's a serial killer. B, I'm a serial killer and I'm going to kill this person. <laughs> and that's it. Those are the only two options. Well, in either case, um, if they think he's a serial killer, all he has to do is hulk out and they'll give him his car just to save his life, save their life. And if they're a, a serial killer, again, he just needs to hulk out and they'll run away. Still not going to get him in the car. He needs to calm down, do his breathing exercises before he can get in the car. <laughs> yeah, and that won't freak anybody out in the cab of a truck. <laughs> it's just absolutely ridiculous. And again, again, we're going back to... But he's a white man, so he can make it happen. Oh, of course, yeah. You know? Angsty white dude can do so many things. Yeah. Yeah, and then when he does reach the States, he is running for his life. He is trying to get this super important information, and he still has the time to stalk his ex. Like, dude, can you be more creepy? Yeah, so... So let's talk about this ex. Let's talk about Miss Betty Ross here. Um, I wonder if Liv Tyler ever found the person who tricked her into being into this in this movie. She Curious. probably must have whispered her anger at them. <laughs> either that, either that, or maybe I don't know. Her father was on the soundtrack. Maybe Aerosmith was on the soundtrack, and and her father was like, "Honey, I really need the money. Can you just take this role? It's the only way we can do the soundtrack." It worked. It worked at Armageddon, honey. That made a ton of money. Let's try yeah. it again. How wrong he was. So, so we're supposed to believe that Betty here works on all kinds of these top secret scientific projects for for the government. Mm -hmm. All right. So you're telling me that not only is her super secret password five characters long, but she hasn't changed it in years so that better can just come in and log right into her system. How many alphabets is Banner? B-A-N-N-E-R. Oh, okay. B-R-U-C-E. There you go. That's a boss word. <laughs> what a dick. How big does your ego have to be? But then at the same time, he's right. Like, oh, because all a woman can do for years is pine over her lost love. Yeah. She started dating a therapist. Yeah, and she's with another dude. And he's still following her. God. And he actually looks disappointed that she's seeing someone else. Dude, how big of an ego do you have? You put her in the hospital. Yeah. Well, <laughs> can't really blame her for having a five-character password that's not been changed for years. These guys still use Norton 360. The Norton 360 was from the 90s. Is it any wonder 
the entire experiment went tits up. If you're using so, if you you are supposed to be a super secret lab doing super secret military stuff, and one dude carrying one pizza, uh, carrying a bunch of pizzas, walks in, and you just let him through. Thank God she at least has a five character password. Yeah, he's not even wearing sunglasses. <laughs> Come on, it's supposed to be at minimum cap and sunglasses. He was wearing a cap, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah. So, well, at least he had the cap. Well, I mean, though, how hard is it to fool Lou Ferrigno? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Lou Ferrigno, but come on, man. But he doesn't seem like the guy to be eating pizzas all the time. Come on. Yeah, I think he just, I think he just knocks back raw chickens. <laughs> He's just got a cooler full of them, and every two hours, he just shoves a raw chicken down his throat. Yeah, so the pizza must have been like, something new. Thanks, man. It's, it's my cheat day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give me all. Well, while we're on the topic of pizza, who the fuck is Stanley the pizza guy? And why the fuck is he making Bruce Banner stay with him? Yeah, and you want to talk about cliches. I wanted to call him Geppetto. <laughs> yeah, he actually does kind of remind me of Geppetto. Yeah, because only, only tiny old Italian men can make pizza. That's how it yeah, works. Yeah, and why is he letting Betty and her therapist boyfriend come in when the restaurant has already been closed? Who the fuck is he? He clearly doesn't want to. This is a, some form of elder abuse, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, who is he? And how is it that he knows everything about Betty's life and he's that she's dating a therapist and whatnot? And who the fuck gives Stanley the pizza guy permission to tell Bruce anything about her? He put her in the hospital. But, Amy, he's a white man. <laughs> he... But Banner's allowed. But he has to tell him, Banner's a white man. He's allowed to have everything he wants. Oh, so the nice, sweet Italian guy has to trust him. Implicitly. And tell him everything. Yeah. And give him place to stay, even though he's a fugitive from the law. And he might turn into a deadly monster at any moment. I don't think Stanley the pizza guy knows that. Well, in this version, it wouldn't matter because he's got a little Italian heart of gold. It's gold. It's gold plated and full of marinara, <laughs> and all his pizzas are made with love. Yes, and listeners, no emails, please. I am half Italian and allowed to say that. <laughs> I'm far from Italian. <laughs> um, I grew up on macaroni, so yeah. My my closest connection to Italy or anything Italian is pizza. He's got better security than the fucking lab. Yeah, at least he tells people no before he lets them in and yes, makes pizza for them. His lock on the, the lock he has on his door is better than Betty's password. <laughs> Jesus you know, Christ. Betty was more excited to see Stanley the pizza guy than she was to meet Bruce. But she's conflicted. Oh, that's why you whisper his name when you see a glimpse of your long lost lover. 
Yeah, she's just pining this whole movie. Yeah, yeah. And she has a pretty decent boyfriend. You know, again, in the DVD extras, they have a lot more. What's this fellow's name, the actor? It's it's Ty Burrell, and this is not Ty a first Burrell. time. He always plays this kind of role. Yeah, he he has that thing about him to play the nice useless boyfriend but he had a lot more to do in the dvd extras or the blu-ray extras than in the movie itself yeah and and like everybody really knows him from modern family but even in other stuff like national treasure and and modern family he's the pushover yeah yeah and betty just leaves her therapist boyfriend with stanley the pizza guy to run behind bruce in the rain and it's it's so over the top It, it like you said before it's such a cliche I think this is also uh, just another excuse. This is, you know, we have the male director making a man movie. Let's get this woman nice and wet. <laughs> and you can't forget that she runs to him and he runs to her, and you have all the this music swelling in the background. Like, yeah, oh, as if come we're watching, on. as if we're watching Casablanca over here, or The Notebook. Yeah, yeah. Again, how dare you, movie? <laughs> And she looks at him like she's ready to jump his bones right there on the street. I don't see it. I just don't get it. Yeah, it's all so hammy and so over the top. Yeah, I'm sorry. Edward Norton, Ryan Gosling, you are not, sir. <laughs> yeah, she's pulling up here in the rain and I'm like, what is this, middle school? And you guys are going to go to the <laughs> dance? What the fuck is this? Are you kidding? If my husband did this to me... And then, granted, the, you know, it was an accident, the whole putting in the hospital thing. But if he then took off for a few years and I had no idea where the hell he was, when he came back, sure, first thing I would do, absolutely run up and hug him. And what would I do then? Push him back and knock him the fuck out and say, what the hell is wrong with you? Where have you been? But she can't knock him out because Hulk will show up. She's allowed to get angry. Yeah, sure. But she can't. How pissed off would Pepper Potts be in this moment? Yeah, she would definitely, suit or no suit, she'd give him one punch. Yeah. Yeah. She would make her feelings known. She would have the feelings. But Betty Ross can't because (laughs) Bruce Banner is the love of her life. And he's, again, like you say, the white guy. Do you actually buy this relationship in any way? No. There's no emotional backstory to this whatsoever they don't really have much chemistry there's really uh, there's just nothing there it's empty yeah she's more excited to talk to stanley the pizza guy than she is talking to bruce and you know what i feel like stanley the pizza guy better date absolutely at least you get some good pizza out of it yeah you're gonna eat well banner he's just gonna sit there sulking in the sewer (laughs) no dumpster Which he should be in the fucking dumpster and stay there. Yes, he should just be getting crusts. Hmm? He should just be getting crusts in the dumpster, pizza crusts. Ah, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he could just eat that and stay there and do his breathing exercises. But then, you know what, Amy, that's too many carbs for him. He's got to keep it neat for all these shirtless scenes. (laughs) He's got to keep it tight. The crust is just too many carbs. Yeah, yeah. He could get angry when someone throws the crust at him. <laughs> because he clearly he doesn't have any rational sense. So after they meet in the rain, they go home and 
they see and we have the scene with the two of them and because with all the sexual tension because they're in the same house or i think we're we're supposed to believe that there's sexual tension however I, i'm pretty sure the only moisture on uh Liv tyler's body is from the rain <laughs> yeah that would dry up too very fast if you had to see edward norton naked yeah yeah i'm with you there mm. no but he has to be shirtless most of the time and full of angst of course yeah of course of course pining over each other from separate rooms yeah and she's like, oh, my God, he's in the next room. How am I possibly going to control myself? Oh, yeah, my right. God, it's a, it's a sleepover. <laughs> Could you be more cliched? Will we or won't we? <laughs> and she has her boyfriend. She's completely forgot about, forgot about her boyfriend with Stanley the pizza guy. Yeah. But didn't you say on the extras, there's just a scene where he's like, he just says to Ben, I'm like, oh, no problem, man. You can have her. <laughs> yeah, they have a dinner scene. It's been a while since I've seen the, uh, since I watched the scene, but they have dinner together, apparently in this period. But for some reason, uh, the boyfriend is not sleeping next to her in, in the actual movie. But in the deleted scenes, they have dinner together. They have a nice heart to heart. And the boyfriend tells Bruce, oh, I know she's completely in love with you. And I know that I was a placeholder. So go on. <laughs> like they're talking about a couch. Like, here you go, man. I kept it warm for you the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah. But a couch would probably have an indent. <laughs> this is more like... <laughs> piece of art or something yeah i saw it i had my fun with it now off you go take it yeah ridiculous and the, and they're having this conversation and she's nowhere part of it she's probably in the kitchen washing the dishes <laughs> yeah well i mean it's only her life why does she need to be involved in that decision yeah of course and she'll drop everyone and everything for her darling bruce and i please tell me this this, this is another part of it. What the hell's so great about Bruce? His angst. What? what, what, what we got nothing. His big green D. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like a situation uh, from uh, like the end of Young Frankenstein. Not seeing it. Okay. Um, I'm having a small stroke, listeners. <laughs> this is a new revelation <laughs> for me. I need to sit down for a moment. Um... Okay, breathe. Your partner has not seen one of the funniest, if not the funniest film ever made, a classic part of, of movie cinema in history. And beyond that, you've ruined my reference. <laughs> That's the unforgivable part. Yeah, I need to add some salt to the wound. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm ready to out myself like this. Uh I'm generally not a fan of comedies. Oh, that I can deal with. But if you had said Mel Brooks, uh, we're going to have a problem. Uh, who's that? Okay, audience. <laughs> for those uh, for those who'd like to know, today is Amy's birthday and she just turned 50. Fuck you. That's what you get. That's what I'm, you get. I am cutting this out. Don't forget, <laughs> I'm the one who's, make, who's editing it. All right. Uh, so... All right, so these two spend their, their restless night together, assuming neither one of them is, is getting any sleep. 
And uh, so the next day, we decide to become like a regular Bonnie and Clyde here. Yeah. And they're just strolling across the lawn to go and find the coveted Mr. Blue. But here's the thing. They're going there. They are on the way and nobody notices an entire military unit with tanks and helicopters flying by. Yeah, let me go back for a minute here. Yeah, okay. so so we kind of forgot here because it's so pointless and stupid is that the, the whole time this movie is going on, Edward Norton, he's finding different spots and computers to encrypt his his communications with this other scientist that he names Mr. Blue. And if Louis Leterrier, if you're listening and this was you trying to make some Quentin Tarantino Reservoir Dog homage, go fuck yourself. I don't think it's that. I think it is part of the comics. Well, I could see I could see a guy who makes a movie like this thinking he has the right to make homages to his favorite things. Yeah, well, he did a Jaws-esque thing like earlier, right? There you go. That being said, I've not seen Jaws. Uh, oh my God. All right. This one is a full-blown stroke. <laughs> this is a TVI... <laughs> Somebody call 911. Should I call your husband? Oh, he's never fully seen it either, and it's grounds for divorce. Okay, I'm with him. I go with him oh. in the custody battle. I'm with him. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's the whole point is he's he's talking to Mr. Blue back and forth this whole movie and, and trying to fix himself, trying to figure out how he can unhulk himself. Mm-hmm. So that's why he's, he's picking up Betty because... Hopefully she can help him in this quest. Yeah. And she's the one who has the pen drive. That is pretty much the contribution she has in this entire movie. They could have just given the pen drive to Stanley, the pizza guy. Yeah, I'd rather watch. I'd rather watch him. I'd rather watch him kissing Edward Norton than her. (laughs) They would probably have more chemistry. Douse them in marinara sauce. Perfect. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, as somebody um, who lives uh, very close to a military base, I have to say, I notice when one plane flies over my house. So if I'm at a college campus and suddenly there is just an entire arsenal. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I'm going to notice pretty, pretty far ahead. They have at least one tank. Two cars with these supersonic boomy things and a helicopter flying by and nobody notices except our wonderful Bruce Banner sees one guy. What did they do? Did they, what, David Copperfield, the entire unit? (laughs) Yeah, they have a revolving stage. Yeah, so we have this huge firefight now. And the whole nonsense drama between Ross and Betty, who, in case we haven't mentioned it before, is his daughter. Uh, I want to ask you something. Maybe it's an American thing, but why would she call her dad general? That's not an American thing. That's a cliche military man thing where, oh, I'm so devoted to the military, I've made my children call me general growing up. Or she just hates him so much and refuses to call him dad, like we're in a Die Hard movie, and instead calls him general. But not like five seconds later, she does. General! Dad! 
I wonder how she man- managed to get that much volume out of her. <laughs> well, there she's a- trying to appeal to him in any way she can, you know. So that in, in that case, I get it. OK. Everybody's just running around. She's begging for him to stop. Banner's hulking out. And uh, Blonsky shows up here. Yeah. But here's the thing. Everyone is shooting all their ammo at Hulk. And it's not even making a dent. It's not even making a scratch. Yet they don't stop. Blonsky comes in, takes the grenade launcher, shoves a few grenades up uh, Hulk's ass, doesn't do much. And then he jumps onto that metal contraption and uses his handgun. What did he think? The handgun is stronger than a grenade? Now, see, this is where Ant-Man would have come in handy because he could have actually gone up Hulk's ass and, you know, <laughs> really gotten in there. You know, like, and that would have been perfect. Where was where was Liv Tyler in this? She was in Armageddon. She knows how to drill. She knows how that gets done. They could have brought an Ant-Man into the Incredible Hulk, put those grenades up his ass, and boom, we're, we're taken care of. Yeah, that would have been a good end to the movie. Yeah, I probably would have liked it after that if it yeah. if that is how it would have ended. Let's get a hold of Paul Rudd and pitch this. I think <laughs> the Incredible Hulk remake, the Incredible Pegging. <laughs> yeah, I just thought you a new word today. You did. <laughs> oh man! So by the time they realize they're out of ammo and they've accomplished nothing. Um, all of a sudden, everything's on fire. Yeah, the helicopter comes crashing down. Yeah, and even though it's been a beautiful, sunny day on this fight, because everything's on fire, and we need to put it out, in an instant, just, the rain comes out of nowhere. Yeah, and then we have to have our hero taking out an unconscious woman who was standing there screaming for the last half hour and all of a sudden she loses consciousness. Yeah, well, her poor little damsel heart just couldn't take it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And okay, Hulk takes Betty off in the rain in a romantic gesture or whatever you call it and they go into this cave. How can they not track this huge green guy? Yeah, I mean, it's 2008. We have smartphones. Yeah. People at the very least have, people have camera phones. People have eyes. Exactly. And they clearly have S.H.I.E.L.D. involved in this. That's how they find him in the first place. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like in uh, in Kong Skull Island, uh, a movie I have seen far too many times to be considered healthy, where, you know, Sam Jackson had said in some interviews that you kind of have to suspend disbelief in in terms of where is Kong hiding? Just look for the giant piles of shit. (laughs) If nothing else, how is this creature hiding? And it's the same thing here. You'd think they'd be able to at least find his footsteps, if nothing else. Yeah. Like uh, Bigfoot. And you know what, Amy? That's a movie I'd rather be watching. I would rather be watching a Bigfoot documentary than this trash. Tracking tracking Bigfoot. Oh, no, it's the Hulk. At least those are funny. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, they get into this cave and they're snuggling up. 
and Hulk apparently has the same constitution as my golden retriever because he's afraid of the thunder. <laughs> yeah, and he throws a big, ridiculous, giant rock. And I'm wondering how the fuck did nobody die? Yeah. When he threw that rock. And how did nobody track a big, giant rock suddenly disappeared out of nowhere? Yeah, a little irresponsible on his part. But then he gets scared of thunder, so can't really blame him. Yeah, and... And you know what, too, Amy? It's it's not his fault because I'm pretty sure they don't make thunder shirts that size. You don't know what a thunder shirt is, do you? No. A thunder shirt is something you put on a dog when they get nervous. <laughs> <laughs> well, she it was his thunder shirt. Yeah, it gives them. It basically gives them a hug. Okay. Oh, that's sweet. I want a thunder shirt now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sitting at home on my birthday, all alone, in isolation. I could do with the thunder shirt. All right, so we wake up after a night in the cave, and, you know, I love how they just get up and act like they're totally fine. <laughs> if I spent a night in a cave, I would either have, I'm sure, like, have pneumonia, or at least be pretty damn creaky in the morning. And how is her hair so perfectly fine? Yeah, well, that's, that's an issue that we're going to... That we're going to address many times over in the MCU is the perfection of female characters through fight scenes yeah. and uh, and all that. But yeah, she you know looks like she just did her her full Liv Tyler thirty step beauty routine that you can find on YouTube while he's sitting on the sidewalk shivering again, half naked. Yeah, yeah. Put some damn clothes on Edward Norton. I think she gave him her jacket. She probably had some pity on us. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to see this guy. I don't, I know you don't either. Yeah. She's saving herself. (laughs) But you know what? It gets, it, what gets me is they're, they're trying to figure out how they're going to finance all this. They only have a little bit of cash. All right. So they find themselves some uh, cheap motel room and she's going to give him a bowl cut, save some money there and make him look a little more. Uh, presentable to be on the run because that's <laughs> apparently an issue. Want to look your best yeah. when you're when you're fleeing captivity. Yeah, and it's at that point where they just kind of, you know, look into each other's eyes and realize they just they just can't quit each other. They just need to bone. Yeah, she needs the big green D. Yep. And this this is I just ah. Uh, I'm sitting there and I'm watching this. And first of all, this entire movie has been a a Fitbit commercial. He's wearing this (laughs) damn watch. And since when is Hulk's problem his fucking heart rate? That's never been a thing. It's supposed to be anger that transforms Banner into the Hulk. But now he can't have sex either. What? Am I watching Buffy? the fuck is this is he cursed what tell me <laughs> but okay if it is his heart rate why the fuck is he running all the time yeah in the heat in it the makes heat. no goddamn it makes no goddamn sense and clearly while he was running i'm jumping back towards the beginning of the movie when he's running in his red sweatshirt being as conspicuous as possible he goes and hides behind a couple of crates to get his heart rate down so that he can continue running and not hulk out why can't he just do some breathing exercises in the middle of doing it with her your guess is as good as mine 
I mean, I feel like turning into the Hulk would ruin the mood more than doing breathing exercises. Yeah, unless she's into that kind of stuff. But at the same time, you know what, dude? Take care of her. That's Self- yeah, yeah, Self- absolutely. Selfish, you yeah. selfish bastard. <laughs> Everything it's always about, dude. Yeah, it's always Bruce, Bruce, Bruce. What does she we even t- see in him? I'll tell you this right now: Mark Ruffalo would have taken care of her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's no wonder Black Widow was so into him. <laughs> we finally found the answer to that question. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. I didn't get it when I saw it for the first time, but now that we mention it, yeah. And he would be enthusiastic about it, unless unlike this guy. Yes, I agree. He'd be all angsty. Um, all right. So nothing happens. Story of this movie. And then even though they have like virtually no money, somehow they get themselves a vehicle. And this idiot, like I just part of me is upset that Betty gets to live at the end of this movie. Uh, Part of me is upset that Betty doesn't die at the end of the movie because she's just too stupid to live. You are on the run with your old slash new boyfriend who is a literal monster your father's trying to kill him he doesn't care if you die in the process and you're taking fucking pictures like you're on vacation (laughs) she wanted to capture the memory of of the time when they almost had sex but he was too excited oh my god that could be a euphemism for something else again apparently we're in middle school (laughs) And that camera is also something out of 1994. Yeah, which is probably why she thought it was safe. Uh, so these two, they, they hit the road and they're finally uh, going to meet this Mr. Blue. And I barely care at this point. I just <laughs> barely care. And Mr. Blue is wearing blue. Yeah. And by the way, that guy, that guy, a scientist, really? Kicking and punching all his t- his gadgets? Yeah, I buy that. Totally. Well, I mean, the, the actor, too. That guy? I don't know who he is. I don't even remember his name, but he, he's one of those character actors that always plays a dumpy idiot. And really? Yeah. This is the guy you make your, your super brilliant uh, scientist who's encrypting all this shit and running all these tests? Come on. Yeah, well, he failed. That's true. And he created the abomination. Oh, we forgot that part, didn't we? Shit. <laughs> no, it comes later. Blonsky still has his heart on for Hulk. Yeah, we forgot about the whole Blonsky getting <laughs> <laughs> injured and whatnot. That's how bad then, this movie yeah. is. <laughs> Wait, that's right, because he got thrown at the end of that fight, right? Yeah, but okay. All the the entire arsenal does not work, and this guy walks up to him and says, "Is that all you got, big guy?" And one wham, and his all his bones are broken. Yeah, he's just a, a human potato at that point. Yeah, what is the point of going up to him and saying, "Is that all you got?" Do you really need to antagonize a big green monster when you have nothing on him? Yeah, so you know, winding up in the hospital. With every bone in your body broken. That's on you, dude. Absolutely. And then he miraculously recovers. And General Ross 
totally falls in love with him and decides to give him another <laughs> injection, another yeah. n- another serum. The serum could be a euphemism for something else. Ooh, hey, this is Marco. Why not? Yeah. And he literally defied orders. Before he got the serum for the first time, before Ross gave Blonsky the serum for the first time, Ross told him that if you do not follow orders and if something goes off, something goes wrong, that's it. We're done. And the guy does not do anything that Ross tells him. And Ross decides to give him another shot. Yeah, I think he figured he could use his recklessness. Yeah, look how that turned out. Yeah, well, nobody's thinking too clearly in this movie. Least of all, Ross. So Mr. Blue is attempting to run some kind of lab nonsense to get the gamma radiation out of Banner. And while this is going on, Ross and Blonsky are are putting together a new op of some kind to take Banner down again. Right. And Blonsky's spine is protruding out of his body. That's disgusting. Okay, I have, well, I have two questions. One, wasn't this the first, the same serum they used for Captain America? I don't even want to sully Cap with that idea. I'm not, I'm not sure. They mention it that this was during the Second World War, yada, yada. They used it and they put it on ice. And something went wrong because we find that out in the Avengers that that Banner was trying to replicate uh, the serum somehow and something went wrong. So I don't think it's the same thing, but it's it's similar. It's similar. okay? because I was wondering, how does in Captain America, we have Steve Rogers, who is this lanky little three foot tall buddy with all the health problems, put him into the machine, put the injection in him, and he turns up and he turns out to be this Greek god. Whereas Blonsky is given the serum and all he does is become a little pale and sweaty. Well, because he's British, so he becomes evil. Okay, then. That's how it works. Yeah. (laughs) That's how it works in movies. (laughs) British equals bad. Yeah, that's how you can always identify. Uh, Did you see the movie Bird Box? No. Oh, God, you're killing me. (laughs) Well, anyway, in Bird Box, the movie takes place in the U.S. And the twist was completely ruined for me. Don't spoil it. Don't spoil it. Don't spoil it. I want to see the movie. You're the worst. (laughs) Okay, I'm taking my headphones off. You can say it and then I'll come back. Seriously? This is silly. (laughs) That's that's usually a, a giveaway in a movie, though. If there's one British person, they're evil. I guess they you spoiled it for me already. Okay, it's fine. I shall not watch it for a while so that I forget about this. <laughs> I don't like you right now. Yeah, that's the way it works. Mm-hmm. But I mean, as far as as far as Cap goes with the serum, maybe don't ask questions. Just enjoy it. Yeah. Oh, I definitely enjoyed it, but I couldn't help but wonder what went so wrong. Well, given that this is make-believe science, I don't think we'll ever get an answer to that question. All right. Another question. Mr. Blue got one vial of blood from Mr. Green. How the fuck did he have an entire room full of blood made out of that? Copy-paste. You can totally do that. Did you know that? They can do that in their cyber cyber nonsense blood world. They can just copy-paste the blood, make more... Yep, don't question it. That's how it works. I have no words. 
Yeah, they learned okay. it from NC. They, they learned it from CSI. <laughs> <laughs> William Peterson was the technical advisor. He helped them out with that. So, of course, Mr. Blue's plan doesn't work. Banner remains the Hulk. He can't unhulk himself. Mm -hmm. The experiment works at that time, but it doesn't have any lasting effects. And before they can try anything else, our very own Blonsky decides to come up with his hard-on for Hulk, as usual, and hits him in the head. Somebody tranks him from the window, and off he goes. And then... Blonsky decides to tell Mr. Blue that he wants the same thing that Hulk has. So what? Yeah, and blood transfusion and suddenly your Hulk version 2.0? Yeah, and what the hell is with Mr. Blue's reaction to this? He he looks like he's getting turned on. You can see it in his face. That is exactly what I thought. I'm like, this guy is hard as a rock right now. <laughs> Absolutely. If... The Abomination would not have smashed Mr. Blue and jumped out of the building. They would have had a good time together. Yeah, and I mean, he he's dead, right? He, he's a goner. No, he has some bumpy thing happening to his head. I think they put it in for a, a Hulk movie number two. But considering how incredible this movie was, they decided to skip the entire thing altogether. That's the one thing they did right. Yeah. This guy, Mr. Blue, is a character... In the comics. I don't know who, I don't know what, I don't know how, but he's a character. That's all I know. And they were building him up. All right, so we take Banner out here on a stretcher. And he's all drugged up. Keep him. Keeping him from hulking out. Yeah, keeping him from hulking out so he can also be interrogated. And Betty's doing her, no, no, no. <laughs> I love him. Ooh. I forgot to do all about her, her, her acting. Well, I think we've covered it pretty well. I didn't say anything about her whispering. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, a couple, a couple times you were like, "Oh, she's whispering," is this and that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But she actually is pretty soft-spoken, from what I've seen. I actually looked up her interviews to see is she really that soft-spoken, or did she just give up in the movie and just decided to whisper her lines? Well, I think it's just the weakness of the character too. No, she is actually that soft-spoken. I know, but like she can be more forceful. I've seen her do it. Yeah, the the one scene that she did, I love that one scene. She actually had some spark. The scene where they're in New York, they're going in a cab and the cab driver's driving like a crazy guy. Yeah, it was probably the end of the day and she knew she was going home as soon as they yelled cut. <laughs> yeah, and she just screams at the guy and... That was the one funny scene. She's, she's pissed off and Bruce says, like, I can tell you some breathing exercises to calm you down. And she just storms off. That was the one yeah, funny scene. He's got a few lines like that and I just roll my eyes. Because, like, dude, who are you to talk? You're terrible at it. Exactly. Number one. And number two, if this scene was done by any other couple in the MCU, and I mean any other couple... It would have been hilarious. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's also a bit of, oh, uh, if he can handle being stressed out in New York, he can handle anything. Yeah. Clearly, he handles anything. You know, it's just that, that New York type cliche. Yeah. And he can't handle being slapped in the face. Yeah. 
If he can't handle being slapped in the face when he's literally asking someone to slap him in the face, he's not going to survive in Manhattan for very long. Manhattan wouldn't survive very long. That's true. Yeah, but then, but then, but then she's doing her. I, I am no longer your daughter. Never refer to me as your daughter again. And they, they go back and forth with that. Yeah, but it, it's pretty clear right from the beginning of the movie that she's not in touch with her dad. She calls him general. How much more do you have to say? They could have done some stuff with that, but because no, neither character is developed in any way, it just comes hollow and silly yeah everyone is a caricature again yeah like middle school because there's just no emotional depth to this movie whatsoever not at all so instead of coming across as a grown woman who's been betrayed from her father she comes off as a pissy preteen who's mad at her daddy for not giving her what she wanted i can't meet my boyfriend i'm not gonna talk to you yeah it's like stakes are stakes are a little bit higher than that people so Ross has his, has Banner taken out on the stretcher, all drugged up. They get him into a military transport. Yeah, put him in the sky. That's a great idea. And miraculously, uh, he's out of the stretcher, sitting there, completely fine. And Bruce and Betty are making googly eyes at each other. Yeah, because that's that's priority one. Yeah, absolutely. But now it's the point where, oh, General Ross needs to have his reckoning and see the monster that he's created. And for the first time, uh, we meet the abomination. I think the entire movie was the abomination. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. And this is just, uh, just a run-of-the-mill, spiny monster type of thing. Yeah, with bones protruding out of him. Yeah. I mean, it's effectively gross. It's it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. But the the real problem is I don't give a shit about two CG monsters fighting each other when we have absolutely no connection with either character. You know, I was um interested a little bit in Abomination because A, he's not wearing pants, and B, he doesn't seem to have any genitals. <laughs> Like, is that why he is called the Abomination? Hmm, that's a good question. Mm -hmm. um, maybe it's possible that he knows something we don't, because he, he clearly has feelings toward the Hulk. Yeah, and that's probably why he was lashing out, because he couldn't act on them. <laughs> and we're back to pegging. <laughs> <laughs> well, he has other protrusions available. To use yeah. if he wants to yeah. get funky. Yeah, some orifices here and there. No, some uh, bones some bo popping out. Gotta have. There's orifices too. Gotta have both. Does he? Uh, I, I would assume. I mean, if he doesn't have anything in the front. <laughs> Look, everybody poops. Neither of us is looking to buy the abomination a drink anytime soon. <laughs> Especially if he doesn't have the important parts. Yeah, yeah, that could be an issue, especially if he's a selfish bastard like Edward Norton. <laughs> now, clearly he has a thing for him. He might just be willing to give him a good time. Yeah. Considering Hulk couldn't give anyone else a good time. And Hulk yeah. is pretty selfish. He'll make sure that the abomination gives him a good time. Yeah. Yeah, we should probably end this here. <laughs> Yeah, so this this fight scene 
is just endless. Yeah, yeah. I remember in again in the extras, uh, the documentary about making the movie, which was more interesting. The team that was handling the CGI, they were very excited about Hulk smashing the car into two and using it as boxing gloves. <laughs> They were really excited about that sequence. I can't blame them because that's probably the most interesting thing they did on the movie. Yeah, they probably thought it saved the rest of it. Yeah. I mean, they couldn't even give Abomination any genitals. <laughs> they ran out of money. <laughs> they're like, the sorry. boxing gloves? <laughs> yeah, the dick's got to go. It's either the dick or the boxing gloves. <laughs> sorry, we can't do both. Or maybe the dick is there, but just because, you know, it's the same size as normal human Tim Roth size and the abomination is, you know, much bigger so you can't really see it. Oh, I'd feel kind of bad for him if that was the case. Yeah. Yeah. Micro penis. Micro, <coughs> micro, micro penis. And we also have the fact we, we have a difference in monsters here. In this version of the Hulk, you know, he's just grunting and just kind of an animal. He, he really can't do any higher thinking. Yeah, but Tim Roth can have a full on conversation. It's probably because he has a he doesn't have the smaller head. No, I'm telling you. All the blood is flowing up. I'm telling you, just like becoming evil, it's because he's British, and this is the director's way of reminding everybody that British people are just smarter. Because <laughs> that's how the world works. So is that why uh, pre-abomination Tim Roth has only these cliched one-liners? Yes, he has to be puppy. <laughs> I mean, Amy, it's either that or bad writing. And what are the odds of that? <laughs> Don't tell Edward Norton that. He'll sue you. Bring it on, Edward Norton. <laughs> no, ju- no jury will find me guilty. <laughs> Unless the, the jury or the judge has a micropenis. They might take offense to this. Or the, the jury is just Betty Ross and that's it. Yeah. Oh, you insulted my face. Yeah, it's a I bench trial. Sp- I will whisper my verdict. Yeah, it's a bench trial. Betty Ross is the judge and I'm guilty. I am in free speech jail. So, They'll send you to God the fucking Mala. I'll have to walk my way back, god damn it. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, Hulk wins. He kills the abomination. Yeah. He does not kill him. Oh, he doesn't? There That's are, what pissed me over. off. God damn it. All right, so... So, uh, Banner wins this WWE match that we have going on here, uh, but he doesn't kill the Abomination because he's a good dude. He's such a good guy. No, Hulk has every intention of killing Abomination, but Betty suddenly decides to have a voice and scream no. And that's it. He stops. Is he her puppy? Right, I forgot because I just didn't care. (laughs) (laughs) I remember because suddenly she has a voice. And secondly, how is it that Hulk, who has no rational thing, no higher thinking, suddenly decides to listen to her? Is she like his puppet master? Yeah, and why would you stop him? Exactly. It's a monster. Exactly. Fucking kill it. That's what you do to a monster. You kill it. Have you never seen Godzilla? Have you never seen any other monster movie? You've got to kill it. Even got, got gremlins. Come on. Anything. Why would she do that? I don't know. She's a kind and gentle soul. She doesn't um, want this on her on her she doesn't want this on her beloved's conscience. 
Oh, my Bruce will be so angsty now. He won't be able to ever, ever even kiss me again. Well, that's how she likes him, apparently. So maybe she's, she's being selfish about it. <laughs> so we we find Banner. He's he's back on the run. He's somewhere in Canada, just just strolling through fields, doing what again, he does. Again, he is in New York. He's a big, giant, fucking green monster with a helicopter with a spotlight on him, and they can't find him. I guess I guess some somewhere he got uh, he found Harry Potter's uh, cloak of invisibility. <laughs> That's my best guess. <laughs> we crossed the streams. Oh God. <laughs> okay, so that brings us to the best. Eventually, we we got to go through the credits here, but we get to the best part of this movie. The only redeeming part of this movie. And Amy, that is... Tony Stark. Thank God. Yeah. He is the one true shining light in this movie as he comes through the bride door into this dingy bar. And why the fuck is Ross drinking a green drink? Hasn't he had enough green? You'd think. It's an it's an appletini. <laughs> in a shot glass? Why not? He's gonna. <laughs> he's still gonna look like a man. Yeah. So this again just kind of leads back into Shield and the whole initi- uh, Avengers initiative. It's really not all that much different from uh, the uh, post credit scene of Iron Man. Yeah, but that had much more punch with Sam Jackson. Yeah, especially because we were all awake. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So now that we've got this uh, nonsense behind us, here here's the important thing. Marvel learned some important lessons from this movie, from making it, from the way it was received. Um, So let's discuss this a little bit. Uh, First and foremost, and I think probably the most important lesson, Kevin Feige realized between this and with the success of Iron Man, Marvel movies above all else have to be character driven. But it was character driven. No, it's not. It's not the least bit character driven. When I um, don't tell Edward Norton that, <laughs> because there's no depth. There is zero depth to this movie. Everyone is about as deep as a puddle. <laughs> a puddle is deeper than this. This movie. It's he's just walking for an hour. There's nothing to do. There's no real stakes. There's no connection. The audience. In order to care about these movies moving forward, in order to care about the characters, we have to be emotionally connected to them we have to have stakes their their personal character arcs have to mean something to people are you telling me that a generic white guy looking angsty and constipated with his feelings (laughs) is not enough character involvement and no emotional emotional connection yeah sorry to break it to you mr norton i mean that's what makes us love tony stark is we know him through his words, through his actions, we get such a deep sense of who he is and who is he is becoming. With with this version of Bruce Banner, we know nothing about him other than the fact he turns into the Hulk. That is all we know. And that he he's a smart guy. That's about it. Is we he? don't care about him. Is he but, really? Yeah. Is he? Is he now? Yeah, exactly. Is he? <laughs> that's a that's a good question because we really. You're right, Amy. We don't see a lot of intelligence uh, in the way he goes about things in this movie. Hulk has more intelligence. 
Hulk actually yeah. sees that Betty is crying in the cave and he picks up the one lone tear in his finger. And while we're on the subject of Betty, here comes another lesson that Marvel learned. And again, this is juxtaposing Betty Ross with Pepper Potts. Pepper Potts is a very capable independent woman who knows her job we see her doing her job she is damn good at her job betty ross is absolutely fucking useless we don't see her be a scientist we don't see her have an original thought uh we see her just pining over this man who is also useless for no apparent reason she is too stupid to live and i'm pissed that she survives she has one very important contribution to this movie. Are you ready for it? Are you ready for your mind to get blown? Okay, I've already had two strokes, so go ahead. Okay. She introduces Mr. Blue and Mr. Green to each other in person. Oh, yeah, you got to have that conduit because two people can't just say hello to each other. Especially yeah. since they've been in touch for years online. Yeah, oh, and we're forgetting, of course, she's capturing the moment on film. Where would we be without Betty and her camera? Yeah, yeah. And she looks at it longingly just before the battery dies. She doesn't even have the smarts to charge the camera. Yeah. So moving forward, we're going to see Marvel creating strong female characters who are capable of standing on their own feet and even saving the dudes some of the time. Yeah. Uh, So now we've mentioned this before and Marvel's going to learn from this. Moving forward in Thor and the Avengers and so Hold on. on. Hold on. But she does save the dude. She just saves the wrong dude. She fucks it up. Yeah, she saved the abomination. Yeah, which was stupid. She's a <laughs> moron. <laughs> but she does save the dude. A dude, rather. Yeah, so he can go walk around a field in Canada. No, she saves the abomination. Yeah, who's a monster that shouldn't be saved? Yeah. But Hulk just runs away, as he does every time. Nothing new there. Irrespective of whether he would have killed the other guy or not. Honestly, does it matter? Does it really matter? (laughs) No, since you said that the women occasionally save the dude. She she did save a dude. To give her credit for that. Well, well, see, that's the thing with this movie, is that nothing matters. (laughs) Literally, the only thing that matters in this movie is the post-credit scene. That is it. It's not even a post-credit scene. It's pre-credit scene. Yeah, it doesn't even matter. They don't That's even a have po- a post-credit scene in this movie. That's how much they suck. They fucked this up. Yeah. So these two, ne- these next two lessons really go hand in hand. And this is a big one for me. And we're going to see Marvel rectify this in the mm-hmm. best way possible. Okay. If you cast a great British villain, let him be a great British villain. And thank God for Kenneth Branagh, because that is exactly what he does in Thor. And then the MCU continues moving forward. This is connected with the final lesson is that casting will make or break the MCU. And from this point on, I think Marvel has done a fantastic job at their casting department. They learned their lessons very well and very quickly. Yeah, and I think the same can be said for directors. They've gotten the right people, mostly, uh, for the right franchises. We're, we're going to talk about that a little bit uh, with Thor mm-hmm. um, and some problems there. But for the most part, they have found the right people 
at the right time. Yeah, yeah. And not only do they do a great job of casting individual characters, but they really have a knack for finding chemistry between people. Yes, they do. And how they all work together. Yes. beautiful the way it all just comes together the cast the crew very well done all right praise lord baby jesus and his golden fleece diapers (laughs) amy this movie is over yay hallelujah well thank god that's over amy if you ever make me watch this movie again i swear the cops will never find your body hey you are going to have to torture me to get me to watch this movie again Well, the movie itself was torture. This is true. (laughs) (laughs) All right, listeners, you've heard our thoughts, and they were a lot. So, let us know. How would the MCU have been different if Edwin Norton had remained as Bruce Banner? Email us at themarvelousmadams at gmail.com or tweet us at marvelmadams. Thank you, madams, for assembling with us today. I'm Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Amy. Assemble with us next time when we dive into Iron Man 2. Please rate and review us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Marvel Madams. Visit us at themarvelousmadams.com and check out the Marvelous Madams Facebook group. I'm 35. Say it again. Suck it up, Buttercup. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> give, give it time. You'll be here. You'll be here in a, in a couple of years. Yeah, but you'll always be a couple of years ahead, won't you? Yeah, I, I don't like you. I'm not liking <laughs> you right now. Mm-mm. I like Stanley the pizza guy better than you right now. <laughs> <laughs>